0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So greetings everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Twin Peaks What Lies Beneath podcast, What Lies Beneath Indeed. We find ourselves in an interesting state of emotional overwhelm right now. The sun is in Pisces and the moon is in Leo. We have Uranus squaring to the Moon and we have Jupiter uh, trining to the Sun and the Sun is very much coming into uh, a deeper mirror focus with Neptune and this is giving everybody this greater sense of displacement we really feel like limp spaghetti you know surrounded by all this lushness all this beauty all this bounty of nature and what the world affords and yet we feel limp, lifeless, detached in a lot of ways. And I thought it was a perfect opportunity to release another deeper insight into the meta language of the David Lynch universe. And the opportunity to look quite deeply and closely at the character of Special Agent Dale Cooper. And one of the things that Lynch makes very, very clear um, in the traversing of Cooper's character, his character arc within the framework of the series and the movies and the special um, additional documentaries and whatever, is that he's constantly being asked to have a internal battle with his own self-identity who he really is and in order to support that he's been taking many many different masks and playing out the masquerade of different roles that his particular craft if you like, his FBI craft of being the Detective being the one who delves deeper into the different things that are playing out on screen with the various characters from Twin Peaks. And it's not unlike or dissimilar to what we go through. Humanity at the moment is probably in its deepest state of delusion. It is very far removed from any form of genuine, authentic balance, The lens through which planar reality is being viewed right now is is somewhat rather distorted. And there is a certain sense of feeling removed, like we're being removed from our greater sense of reality and we're being shown all of these different images, these sliding scale type images of illusory situations and circumstances i'm not going to get into the geopolitics of what's going on over in america with the impeachment and the impeachment that never happened I'm not going to get into the delusion of the coronavirus and and how the media is this rather convoluted and rather compromised lens through which we're being able to decipher between the lines what's really going on in our lives these planetary transits are setting up like a a set of of bowling pins that our consciousness our form of expression our non-liberated sense of self is going to bowl down the guts of it and take them out And it's really intense, and it's really being amplified, particularly when we have so many planets in a grounded Earth-type space. Don't forget, we've been dealing with Mercury retrograde for the last two and a half weeks, which will station direct um, on uh, Sunday before we have the... very powerful full moon in Virgo where all manner of possibility will be revealed and you'll be asked to basically make a choice. Stay in the delusion of the old timeline, stay wrapped up in what is considered to be a safe and a secure option or are you going to see these emotional physical, mental, spiritual astral challenges that you're being asked to face with verve and vigour and valorous intention. So let's look at how what's happening through the quantum field of the mirror of our experience and how it relates directly to the way that Agent Dale Cooper was taken through these different timeline, time shifted perspectives in an effort to ground and finally understand his identity before he became compromised like we did the viewer. And as a result, we're left feeling somewhat incredibly dissatisfied when we found out too much too soon many of us really need to stew in all that we've been experiencing and that includes the third party drama and the third party maya that our interactions with other people have created. We are the purveyors of our own destiny. Our holonomic universe, the way that our hollow mind is able to grasp all manner of possibilities and probabilities and compartmentalise them into some form of regimented and or rigid structure that we can action upon is definitely something that is becoming much more apparent and more obvious to us as we get illuminated to these different options available to us in our everyday life. So sit back, relax, grab a damn fine cup of coffee, get into that cherry pie if you've got it, and we're going to get into some really, really interesting musical choices. I may get the guitar out and doodle along because, for most of you who know me, I'm a composer and um, a veteran, a 36-year veteran of the music industry, working in the teen pop arena for a long, long time. And all of these elements can be brought into create a very, very entertaining composite form that will allow us to delve, you know, into the deeper depths of the Lynchian universe and ultimately the characters, their character arcs, the way they develop on screen and all that lies beneath Twin Peaks. Enjoy. Before we get into the guts of tonight's show, I'd just like to clarify that this particular audio you're about to hear, uh, which is broken up into different segments regarding the protagonist Dale Cooper, was on the night of the full moon, I was down at the uh, river and uh, doing a little bit of fishing, a little bit of unplugging from the screen so it's not perfect audio and you can hear a lot of nature um, looming in the background, presenting itself and yet it was a beautifully illuminated Space for me to go deep within my own psyche and talk about the passion that I have and the love I have for Twin Peaks. Good evening, everyone. Tonight is the full moon in Taurus. We just had uh, a very auspicious day in the 1111 portal of New Beginnings opening, and it was very blissful at every turn because there was a certain sense of, for lack of a better word, I know people like to use it, but a sense of awakening to a a whole new shift within the holographic nature of our illusory reality today. And I'm actually out at a place called Blue Tongue Bend, this big rock jutting out into the Yarra River in Victoria i got a couple of lines in the water in the hope to entice a full moon fish to come along. It has been quiet, I must admit. But while I've been sitting here and looking at the sky, which once again, whenever we have these portals, these powerful transitory energies represented in moon cycles, the sky here, will only here, as it turns out, Tends to cloud over in a big way, but I can still see the fuzzy silhouette of the full moon rising, and it's still very bright, hence why I don't really need to use a head torch per se. But once again, I thought it was a great place to open a discussion, and there'll be a number of us on this one because a number of us have all got different views on the way this particular, I suppose, character experiment appeals to us. And once again, this is for the global Twin Peaks audience, and I want to talk about Special Agent Dale Cooper in context to what I believe now and perhaps that's evident after going through this 1111 portal today that maybe lynch was trying to draw our attention to the consumable violence that we the zeitgeist have accepted and somewhat spread like a virus a disease that's infected the homes of all decent living people. The consumable violence that we see through the various sectors of expression through the media, whether it be news, whether it be oppression, whether it be the maiming and the killing of another, whether it be harvesting souls, farming of children, You know, religious breakdown, so many different forms of this consumable violence, which we are so eager to consume. And yet, Lynch presents us with a very, very simple analogy in a television show that is predominantly a detective thriller story about discovering who the killer is of the homecoming queen, Laura Palmer in the idyllic small town of Twin Peaks, up in Washington State. But once we have the murder, and once a few clues have been revealed, and once we have a little bit of a glimpse into the character layout of the town's folk, and how various individuals are affected, in a in a much more personal manner while being part of a larger collective conscious, we shift very quickly the gears of the horror of what's taken place, the consumable violence that we've been eager to, you know, lap up and be introduced to this rather endearing character in the form of special agent Dale Cooper. Now, I think Lynch basically picked this individual for a whole variety of reasons. And the main one that becomes clear is that he's a malleable character, meaning he has the ability to transcend various limitations and or boundaries created by the show. He's expansive in his deductive technique in the way that he explores and implements different ideas to help him with the discovery and the solving, the solution-based elements of his craft. He's incredibly empathetic. He's an all-round good guy to a greater degree. He's the epitome of the perfect detective that Lynch needs in order for us to explore the fact that we are in effect looking through a very very somewhat cloudy and distorted lens in the beginning we are in fact the perpetrators that is we the audience so let's have some music now this is uh mind over matter which is very applicable to the content of the show so far by American band Ashes of Eden. (laughs) you don't matter by Ashes of Eden and we continue now with What Lies Beneath the Twin Peaks podcast right here on Magazine Radio. You're with Mike Puskus. Now he makes it very clear that, that there are all sorts of references to dreams and I've been through quite a lot of that by explaining who the dreamer is and the roles that we play and the different layers in which we present ourselves as observers of the dream, which means we we, we take on a responsibility to generate and or create within the conduit of everything that's going on certain manifestations of the plot structure and the way that it unfolds, the interplay that we ultimately see on screen. So could it be said that Special Agent Dale Cooper is the detective that Lynch sends in to test us as to how do we feel about something, you know, we're kind of used to it. We're sort of being desanitised to death and to murder and to horror and to the macabre and even into the darker recesses of the cult, of a cult, folklore, alchemy, witches, warlocks, vampires, zombies, gods, whatever you want to call it. We're sort of desanitized, desensitized to a lot of it at at any rate, for for the most part. But he's the detective that's sent in to test us as to what's it gonna take for us to feel some sort of loving compassion for what's happened to this beautiful woman who was rather troubled and who was rather you know a rather confused teenager and some of the townsfolk saw her in one particular way and some of the townsfolk saw her in a very different type of a way and so there was a lot of confusing modalities at play in the way that this woman's intentions and initiatives were ascertained and um understood and i think what's happening is david is saying i'm going to bring in a whole range of rather difficult to understand dimensional characters that come from different densities of existence and they, they are represented to us, for the most part, as mirror reflections, metaphorical mirror reflections of self. Each person, to some degree, represents their dark shadow self. I just can't seem to stop talking about this because for some reason Spirit keeps saying, might keep talking about the doppelganger, keep talking about how there is no more fear, right? fear has always and ever been false evidence appearing real we're the ones that collapse the reality to infuse it into some form of electrical kind of strain that then kind of snap, crackles and pops and explodes into a myriad of different electrical impulses that we're all simultaneously feeling at once and I'll go into more detail about that later because I think electricity, right, electricity is a very cool way and a very cryptic and somewhat meta way of representing the different fusions of energy, the different facets of energy and energy production, release, transmission, reception and it all relates very much to our television sets this is a television show that pushes the boundaries of what was considered to be acceptable on television back in the late 80's so the electricity is us sparking and pulsating and moving, undulating back and forth and you know, polarizing and expressing and whatnot through the on-screen drama that we glue ourselves to in order to keep us fed, feed on the pain and the sorrow, which David represents as the Garmon Bosia. And that's abstract in the form of creamed corn, rather disgusting. Garmombosia is what we, the audience, feel drawn to and compelled to feed on. Bring us give us more. Give us more. So here we are being confronted by a heinous crime of a young prom queen being wrapped in plastic after being brutally murdered, and we want to know essentially who did it. That's it. It's a who done it. But it's a great way to bring so many metaphors which a lot of the younger millennial laterally integrated generation in the new cosmology that we're, we're experiencing, it's a great way to reflect it back through the mirror of conscious reality to reveal our true self. Let's have some more music now. This is an uh, original song from my spiritually aligned group the seven Sense, and a song called the white of the wolf's eyes it's in 432 hertz which is the frequency of the resonant um human heartbeat at birth and uh really if you can kind of almost close your eyes and and try to push away the monkey chatter this this track will really really enhance and this is where we're going to create a prequel into this deeper dossier of Agent Cooper because he is, in my book, the the white of the wolf's eyes. It wells up and is dark within, as it's stated in Episode 8 of The Return. great track The White of the Wolf's Eyes by The Seven Sense and I will be playing uh, a recently remixed version of that featuring Ricky Buckingham, my compadre from the UK on vocals and it's really lifted that higher resonant frequency uh, to a much higher state of connectivity It relates to us in the now in any given circumstance and or situation it has relatability, it has baseline identifiability that we can really, really ground to. And by having endearing characters, loving characters that are so vibrant and they're vivacious and they're dynamic and they're exciting, it just draws us deeper, deeper into how can there be something so heinous, so horribly macabre taking place in in a place where everything seems to be, that is seems to be on the surface represented in a deeper modality of love. So David introduces these darker shadow characters in the form of what are called tulpas, doppelgangers, shadow beings, shapeshifters, whatever you want to call it, and he gives them kind of interesting, ancient, shamanic names like Jaode and whatever to tweak our curiosity as a television audience. And while this is all going on and these little bits of clues are being thrown like breadcrumbs at our feet. Dal Cooper keeps surveying the situation and ascertaining and reporting back to David. This is where the audience is at. They're more stimulated now by all the where's and what force than they are about the, the goodness that we're trying to also represent. So we're seeing the zeitgeist very much exposing its true colors by showing firsthand and rather boldly, its love for consumable violence. We want to know more about the darker parts. We want to know if these darker parts and these shadow beings have any bearing on some of the living characters in the show. And if they do, then how does it all correlate? Where does it all come from? And that's exactly what David did. He slowly removed the good that he wanted to present as a new way of debunking the classic violent TV show by having a TV drama like a a, a soap opera in the middle of his own show to kind of keep it all churning along, keep showing the, the fake face of television he kept replacing the good aspects with more and more of the dark and the bad and to the point where we became obsessed by one particular character that represented all the darkest and most frightening is a good word scary you know incarnation that was bob just bob right you know, no no great ancient surprise like Day or Bilal or Beelzebub or you know whatever just Bob and Bob as later explained and was very clearly giving us one of the biggest clues of really what he was was Bob is just what the evil that men do and we do that every day and we're good with it and we're accepting of it So we're responsible for the evil that men do ourselves. And Bob is just a fragment, just the smallest piece of the puzzle that we unfortunately fell into Lynch's trap, which was to lead us down a very, very dark road. And part and parcel of wanting and not needing, as, as Mr C states in, in the return, I don't need anything, Ray, I want. So there's this kind of demand, we're demanding through Mr C, the doppelganger of the good Dale Cooper, We're demanding more of the same. We want more of the dark mystery. We want more of the the ancient times. We want more of what frightens us, what upsets and unnerves us more and more each day. And this is a very powerful dynamic that is very well represented in the imagery of what we call these lodges. There is a black lodge, and there is a white lodge and these lodges which are different convergence points within the time line of alternate reality where we have a dichotomy of light and dark meeting in the middle in a place called the waiting room where all the characters are predominantly introduced one by one to our hero, our protagonist, the hero's story special agent Dale Cooper and I think that's really, really something worthwhile talking about in great detail. So moving forward, we have this ultimate detective that is now been feeling out the audience, the dreamers, observing this consumable violence as a collective represented as the zeitgeist that is society. And we have this need within him to also be going through his own different energetic stages of metamorphosis. So Dale starts out in this detective role. He's using, as I said, deductive techniques from Tibet and throwing rocks to kind of, you know, correspond with first letter names and and really, really becoming very much endeared to the law enforcement part of the community the police watchdogs of consumable violence before he gets drawn into it himself and that demonstrates that the good and the evil dichotomy that exists within the collapsible nature of us observing how we create our own reality that we have to acknowledge that we harbour just as much darkness, just as much shadow, and using the language of the mind, just as much evil as we do our good intention in the world. So let's have some more music. This is a a great track by uh, an L.A. band, good friends of mine in L.A., called AM Radio and a really cool track that they did a few years back called Gravevine. Twin Peaks, what lies beneath, what lies beneath, indeed, indeed, indeed. indeed. And anybody who wants to say that, no, that's not me and I come from a deep religious fervour and whatever else it is, I'm sorry, but that's absolute bullshit. You're probably worse in many cases than, than most of us that aren't tied to some form of archetype or defined belief structure. Now here's a segue that I think Lynch kind of dealt with once again by talking about the woodsman and the woodsman's role and the way they represented the electrical flow or the current of possibility that you have the ability to change and that is the more that we feel we need to define ourselves within any framework whether it's a societal framework whether it's in a spiritual framework whatever matrix it is that we're drawn into and become ultimately part of because being part of it means we're expressing within it the more we do that the more fear of loss we create for ourselves now a lot of people are going to say what do you mean fear of loss There's always a fear of loss. What if I lose my status within the community because people don't understand me anymore? What if I do something and then my child is going to be looked at in a completely different way, questioned if you like, head scratching stuff. You know, is he, she really normal? You know, does she really fit in to the the general prescribed condition framework of of, of what we expect, our expectation, our dependency to expectation. So this is the loss. It's not loss in the sense of someone that's very dear and close to us dies and we feel great deep emotional loss. We lose something more important to us than the deeper grief and or compassion we show when we go through great loss. We lose our security. We lose our feeling of being safe. We lose our sense of belonging within the dynamic, whatever that might be. Defining ourselves or creating definition, which is where language comes in most strongly, especially when it incorrectly represents really what's going on within the zeitgeist as a collective, that definition is essentially the very same polar opposite, electrical charge, if you like that undoes us, that unbalances us, that creates that moment of questionable pause in our conscious scope to say, I don't think I want to be in that space. I don't think I wanna be subjected to that level of interchangeability. I'm not sure if I really want to be that isolated and or independent from everything else that's going on yet that's where the bliss lies one of the things David is saying by me bringing this forward at this time is that you don't really need anything all of the negative extreme negative force that we concoct that we create is something that is very very much part of a programmed conditioned outlook and that outlook has no bearing on where we all lie in the scheme of today's world landscape because it's part of an old outdated paradigm a mutant paradigm very much embodied in fear so David is saying to us that yeah this is all going on and yeah it's all a concern to know that all of that exists within you the monster existed in Sarah Palmer from a very very early age They say that she was the mirror of good corrupted by the first kiss on the day of the Trinity Test, the release of the first atomic bomb in St Alamos, 1956 I think it was, so aptly represented by the arrival of the woodsman and the way that nature was corrupted into the Froggamoth then became some kind of... a dark shadow virus that started to take over. And a lot of people can attribute that dark shadow virus as the indigenous populations do to the arrival of ego, the release of ego. This is when ego was completely misunderstood and it only knew one thing and that was how to control center stage. So let's go back to where we started, okay? Special Agent Dale Cooper, is the detective sent into the television world the world of consumable violence to see if we have enough empathy in our heart space to care for the good that is laura palmer and we didn't get it we became so obsessed with the darkness and with the character of bob and mike and you know the whole kind of The magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds, firewalk with me. And I will go into, you know, what Corey's been talking about for quite some time, and that is, why don't we all put our differences aside and firewalk together? Let's have some more music. And uh, now we're going to feature another really, really great artist, good friend of mine from New York. Her name is Elza done a lot of licensing in television and uh, released a lot of independent records. Really powerful voice, beautiful songwriter and very much kind of sets the tone for where I'm going to take the podcast now and the really sort of more detailed understanding of what's happening with Special Agent Dale Cooper and the many faces and the masks that he wore as he kind of traversed the expansive landscape of Twin Peaks. So I think Elsa sets the stage quite nicely here. My heart song called You and Me and gotta say my heart is so open right now and feel really, 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 you know, electrically charged with powerful compassion and love running through every pore and cell of my being and I hope you feel the same way because that song, whenever I hear that song, it just lifts me to heights unlike anything else. And that's the power of music right there. The ability to transcend the limitations and the boundaries that we create for ourselves every day of our lives. Beautiful. Much love to you, Elsa. Much love, Dale. Not asking the anomaly, the abomination is that right? Bono, whatever, of fire to come and lead the charge or create an even more explosive charge in us but to actually embrace this shadow embrace the mirror opposite of who we are in our doppelganger and to walk freely with them and to explore and experience and discover all of what the world and what nature combined brings in the form of probability and possibility and this will come back time and time again to the simple exponential curve that is the collapsing of the particle and the wave I believe within a few short years from now we will have enough control over the compartmentalized nature of our mind circuit, our brain For most of you that will allow us to collapse by choice what we observe to become our reality and if we choose to push a negative thought away and not collapse it into a particle of negative form we're going to have the ability to do so now there is a complete polar opposite of all of what I'm talking about going on as we speak and I'm a little scared to actually talk about it but Spirit is saying to me it's going to be soon sooner rather than later that you are going to bring this forward Mike because every time you go out into nature and every time you get a chance to look above you and see the stars I'm noticing all of a sudden now that I'm deeply into this release that the full moon is I'm forgiving all that I don't understand I'm forgiving all that I may have created an offense against I'm forgiving my trespasses and those who trespassed against me because there is no negative action that's distorted particles manifested into a distorted lens of form and I don't want to get into that because that's going to come later but I am a little bit worried about talking about the opposite the polar opposite of why we're all of a sudden tying certain media certain meta within media and there's loads of it, we've got the Walking Dead and we've got Watchmen and we've got the OA and we've got Twin Peaks you know, and we've got we've got all of the Marvel stuff it's all part of this new meta-universe that many of the millennial generation are laterally integrating into becoming more real corporeal in their lives they're collapsing what they want what they perceive through the lens of their experience into something they want to, to embody expand, create with, <coughs> so let's go back to Twin Peaks. The segue, which was an important one, allows me now to say just how much at this point in time, at the beginning or the middle point of the first season, how much we truly failed in the objective to recognise the good in all, the intrinsic goodness. Our need for closure to find out who killed Laura Palmer closed down the first season fairly quickly and then it was made very clear to Lynch and Frost that you're going to you want this next season which will be a much more expansive season and you can take it down all these different rabbit holes and whatever else it is but you're going to let people know who killed Laura Palmer. So in a sense what happened is that our need, right, our want, not our need, our want of more and more consumable violence as the zeitgeist is that we lost sight of the original landscape of the show. We forced the hand to be revealed when it was never meant to be revealed. And we would have been quite satisfied, a lot of us, had we never have found out and just simply gone down these wonderfully humorous and somewhat scary little rabbit holes that Lynch was so brilliant. At creating but we forced the hand and the studio basically told David you're going to have to let the cat out of the bag otherwise this is the end and the minute we found out that Laura's father Leland Palmer killed his own daughter and had been molesting her and raping her from a very very early age as a host to a parasite called Bob. The minute we found out about that, we lost interest. We got all our Garmombosia, we got all our pain and sorrow. We were satisfied. We didn't care what happened next. And the audience numbers, the viewership fell away. So we, the dreamers, kind of stopped wanting to dream. Stopped wanting to observe the many delicate threads of electrical charge and flow that were still very much bubbling all around the show and the characters in the town. So this demonstrates a very important observation of the human condition, and that is we're more obsessed as a species with the why which leads to the closure that we require, than actually wanting, remember I used that word, wanting to change our conscious outlook in the way we live our lives by no longer prescribing to the habituated pattern of watching consumable violence on television. I'm going to stay with this romantic theme now and basically... Create a a sort of a sense of deeper understanding as far as the bigger picture of what's kind of going on. And this is uh, one of my favorite bands from the 70s, Def Leppard, and and a really cool song called Love Bites. Dev Leopard and a fantastic song that they wrote and rose to fame on called Love Bite. These songs really sort of set the tone for the different, you know, um, ages that we've been through, musical eons and ages, And, uh, and they relate very much to the Lynchian universe because Frequency and vibration, electrical charge are all very, very much part of the power of the Twin Peaks universe. And, you know, when we look at the dossiers of particular characters and we try to correlate music and even some background, you know, do let me know. Do you want me to do a little bit of Wikipedia on some of these bands that I'm playing so you get a bit more of a backstory, you know, um... I'm really trying to build a kind of a a co-creative space here for you, the listeners, to, you know, to tune in and to ultimately let me know as your curator, you know, as your tour guide, if you like, through the spiritual universe of David Lynch's Twin Peaks, what it is you like, what it is you want, you know. Be Mr. C and say, I don't need anything, Mike. I want this from you. And uh, I'll be more than happy to uh, comply. I'm here to, I'm here to please, guys. And I hope you dig in the vibe of the music. And uh, let's continue with the show. You're listening to Magazine Radio and Twin Peaks: What Lies Beneath. To say David Lynch, to say Mark Frost, you guys are visionaries. You are the new. species generators you are the new you, you, it's really hard to come up with a word to, to encapsulate there is a word you know you're the explorers you're the discoverers and but there is a proper word when you literally lead and direct guide is a good word you're the, you're the perfect spiritual guides for the zeitgeist I can't stress that enough. And if many of you are listening to this sort of thing for the first time, go and see it for yourself. Go and experience it for yourself. And I guarantee there will be so many of the elemental interactions taking place on screen, you will get dragged into it. It's an endearing, it's engaging, it's highly evocative. It's a constant shift in the temperature of the atmosphere. The temperature of where societal influence becomes corrupted, becomes distorted. The leaders of the town are all scheming against each other. It's it's basically, you know, blackmail and backstabbing and who screw who and everybody's into everybody and whatever. But that's not the point. They were the distractions. They were the deliberate distractions to keep the zeitgeist guessing. But the underpinning of all of it was who committed this horribly heinous crime. We saw it happening a second time in in season two. We got a lot more of the man from another place and the giant. So we were drawn into more of the rather cryptic, backwards language. So David was was inventing a new language, reversing the polarity of electrical charge in the way that we express ourselves, hence why everybody seemed to be, you know, hearing high-pitched vibrations and frequencies from telephone poles because people were travelling through the telecommunication wires the electrical wires of these telephone poles as ridiculous as it sounds you know and there are so many beautiful mythologies worth exploring every single person there has a deeper story because we're talking about a really visionary filmmaker in David Lynch a personal observation if I may. Much of this was, I was oblivious to much of this when I first experienced the show, but there was some form of undercurrent, underlying curiosity that always had me guessing to some degree. One of the first things I remember that really stuck in my head was when I heard 12 rainbow trout. And then I heard it said again, you'll never believe it. There was a fish in the percolator. Don't drink that coffee. The coffee in that case had been tainted. We were already infected with the virus of consumable violence on television. I like that. We were infected with the virus of consumable violence on television. The zeitgeist were the incubators. And then not just the incubators, we became the breeders, the birthers. We birthed it. We birthed it more and more, just like the distorted mother of Day births these horribly nasty rotten eggs In which Bob is born. And that's a whole different thing, but it's worthy of discussion at a later stage. These insights, which have only become clear as consciousness within me has become highly sensitive and expansive. I don't look at the world the way I used to. I don't see it the way that I used to. Even the colors. Even there seems to be a a, a shimmering aura around everything, especially when I'm in nature. I'm also finding that my own senses, the illusory senses that the spacesuit was embedded with, including my eyesight and my hearing, have been through some rather heavy changes. I see things in the periphery of the corner of my eye, especially when I'm up close to things my whole ears literally shut down last christmas around yeah last christmas I think it was or something. um and i went deaf literally went deaf nine days and i had a number of doctors and specialists trying to wash out my ears and trying to use heat heat therapy and all sorts of stuff and then one day the noises the swirling the deep kind of it sounded like cogs of machinery going relentlessly round and round and up and down and side to side as if the programming within my own compartmentalized mind was breaking down you See- with the absolutely most minimum of fuss. Hence why we want our egos to be gratified in the moment with a flick of the finger about Dale Cooper. So we become the disgruntled to begin with detective. Then we become perhaps a little jaded with our own role and responsibility in life and then we become somewhat compromised and then once we're compromised we hit the downward spiral and very very soon according to Lynch we collapse all the particles and all the waves to arrive at the point of non-existence where nothing matters. And they use the most interesting set of abstracts and imagery to represent that. The chevrons, the colour, the purple, the the fuchsia. I mean, these colours are off the chart amazing the way it represents the futility of man. Once we've been compromised, once we've been tainted, the brush of... of discovering the truth has been left out in the dirt washed by the dirty rain and now it's all matted and mottled and stuck together and it doesn't even have a function and we the detective just like Dale the detective observes no function it has no more Reason to go forward. And so eventually he ends up lost, lost in the nether world. And the last thing that Laura, who is you know now in the nether world, in the in the lodge, in the waiting room, as a between two worlds, doppelganger says to Dale, but really is saying to us at the end of season two, the finale I'll see you again in 25 years and it absolutely rings like a bell in our heads but we're too wrapped up in our own convoluted ideals of what we consider our reality to be that we don't get the deeper meaning behind it, that listen, this story that you become beholden to, that you become part of the framework and the the tapestry, you're, you're, you're part of this tapestry that's been created, you know, in the collective, it's not over. This tapestry isn't finished. I've got more to embroider, we've got more to fill out. And literally 25 years later, Lynch and Frost walk into Showtime and say, guys, we're here. Well, that's nice, what are you here for? Well, Laura Palmer said, I'll see you again in 25 years. Well, it's 25 years, let's go. And that is how Lynch works. He's not one of these people that's gonna be yanked off the planet anytime soon, I promise you. He's got far too much to share and offer, you know, our world more and more. So we've arrived after a number of detective insights to why, David and Mark walked into Showtime and said we're ready to do another season of Twin Peaks and we're going to recall it The Return. And there's a reason why it was deliberately called The Return. Because in a way we were being given another chance as the viewer, as the observers, 25 years after being subject to even more consumable violence and unlimited amount of ridiculously surprising and somewhat shocking um, historical advantages, the Trump administration being a good one and there's so many it's there's there's so many it's too numerous to count had our consciousness had our conscious value our outlook changed enough to be worthy to receive a new gift from the lynch universe in the form of resurrecting a number of the original characters to bring this idyllic town once filled with intrinsic goodness back to life I will state for the sake of clarity that at one stage a number of the characters who were all so much older uh, Jack Nance of course is now dead. Peggy Lipton is now dead, Miguel Ferrer is now dead, Catherine Coulson is now dead. That's the log lady, Albert the forensic specialist from the FBI, Pete Martell, Catherine's husband of the mill, and who is the fourth one I just stated. I'm Peggy Lipton, which was, of course, Norma from the double R diner, who, by the way, never was given the same treatment as everyone else. Norma always, and everything that happened at the double R diner up to this point, had always embodied the absolute intrinsic good that exists in all of us. But that was about to change in the return so David wanted to see whether the shift in our own conscious landscape had been enough for us to want to revisit want to rekindle want to recalibrate the different types of reactions and responses. (laughs) Pardon me, the reactions and responses that we would be going through had we been given another chance to go down this different type of rabbit hole. Firefly. You're listening to Magazine Radio, this is Twin Peaks What Lies Beneath the podcast to challenge the quantum fields in your mind What Lies Beneath Indeed So just like in season 2, he wanted to test the air and every time we saw the trees uh, of the of the woods, Ghostwood Forest Glastonbury Grove and other representations of the evil in those woods the wind, which a lot of the characters also embodied and more so now in The Return, the wind represented a kind of feeling of the viewership feeling out the air in the in the viewership, what are people listening to what are they watching, what is it that they're kind of become romantically attached to. And of course, when we think about The Return, which was 18 amazing episodes, of what was predominantly nothingness, even at the end when Cooper breaks the timeline and takes Laura back to past, is it future, is it past? as Mike had to reiterate twice to us in the Red Room, we still really didn't get the all-important closure that we were all looking for or thinking we would get. And that was David slapping us in the face, that you haven't changed. You're just as bad as you were before and now your children are just as bad, if not worse because they're so wrapped up in the internet and they're so wrapped up in the screen. Got to remember, back then when Twin Peaks first came out, we didn't have any internet. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have anything. We just watched, basically, VHS tapes. We said VHS tapes of what we couldn't get to when it screened live, you know, on our networks. Today, a lot of people say that it was the fans that brought it back. Because the fans, the true fans, not the public, the true fans of the show, and there are millions of us, we never let it go. And we have all manner of, we have Comic Cons, and we have Twin Peaks festivals in America, in the UK, in Europe, and we keep everything alive. And we keep those characters valid. And the people who played them, valid. Uh, Kimmy Robertson, who plays Lucy in the first two seasons and in Firewalk with me, uh, you notice that I'll skip Firewalk with me because I'm I'm saving the best for last. When we talk about firewalking, it's really when we throw everything we think we know and we take the blindfold off and go, oh, wow, it was like that all this time, then we've got enough energetic and and, and human conditioned sort of preparation done to go fire walking but I don't want to spend time on that right now I'd like to get to that when there is even more clarity in the air and again the stars have disappeared Um, the moon is shrouded in a cloudy mist which means that even though it's projecting a very powerful deeper forgiveness a cleansing of all of our sins i hate using that word all of our offenses is probably better it's still not going to present itself in a a clear and concise form because we're not at that point still we're still not clear we're not concise We're still compartmentalised, we're still regimented, we're still rather rigid as people, as a species on the planet. Well, I hope you enjoyed this second episode of the What Lies Beneath Twin Peaks podcast. We had a chance to delve quite deeply into the meta-language and meta-universe of many of the characters that embody this Lynchian universe and particular honour and homage to Special Agent Dale Cooper and the many roles and uh, transits that he took during different parts of his cathartic journey on the show. Join me again next week for uh, another episode where we go into another portion, segment area region of this vast dystopian universe that is david lynch and keep it locked right here on magazine radio i'm mike puskus your curator your spiritual tour guide your navigator if you like and thanks so much for tuning in and listening opening your hearts minds and souls to the lucid state of the collapsed wave function in the quantum field of this multiverse in the cosmology that is all manner of opportunity for us to become available to and contribute to more and more as time marches on. Thank you and good night.